Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we have another parable from our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. And in this parable of our Lord, we hear of a landowner who plants a vineyard, sets a hedge around it, digs a wine press, builds a tower, and then he leases it to vine dressers. He's prepared everything for this vineyard to be prosperous. But the vine dressers have something else in mind. When it's time for the harvest, the landowners send servants. The vine dressers take these servants, they beat one, kill one, and stone another. The landowner is persistent. He sends another set of servants. They did the same thing. Then the landowner sends his son, saying to himself, They will respect my son. But when the vine dresser saw the son, they saw an opportunity. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will happen to those vine dressers? Those who heard the parable of Jesus say, Oh, he will destroy them. They're wicked men. And he will lease his vineyard to another set of vine dressers. The gospel this morning, the parable, operates for us on a few levels. The first level that I think we can interpret this parable is uh, historically. The ma- the, this parable is based off of a text from Isaiah, and it would have been very familiar to the hearers of this parable. Who is the vine dressers? Who are the vine dressers? I heard a little Israel, the Jews. God prepared everything for them. He took them from Egypt. He gave them a law. He gave them the priesthood, the tabernacle, then the temple. He even gave them kings, leaders, even when he thought it may be best that they don't have that kind of leadership. But he did it for their sake. He sent prophets as soon as they squandered the inheritance of the hedge and the wine press and the tower and the prophets, what do they do to the prophets? They kill them. They reject them. They stone them. They put them inside of trees and saw them in half. They do all sorts of things. Now, of course, as we've begun to draw this picture, we can fill out the rest. Who is the landowner but God and who is his son but his Son, our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've now interpreted the parable. This parable is about Israel and about the rejection of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, what is the next level in which we can interpret this parable? We are the new Israel. A hedge has been set around us, holy tradition, a wine press has been given to us, the altar where we receive the body and blood of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. And we even have a tower. We talk about the Theotokos as a tower. We have a fortification of saints all around us. (coughs) 
And yet, like Israel, as the servants come to speak to us, it's very often that we reject them. Or if we don't outright reject them, maybe we don't take them out from the temple and uh, dispose of them, as it were, we can at least close our, our ears, our minds, harden our hearts. So this morning I would like us to explore what does it mean for us? How can we avoid becoming like these vine dressers? For we've been given a vineyard, the church, and we're responsible for what God has given to us. We are to tend this vineyard here. But will God find us to be wicked men who have squandered, who have ignored, who have rejected the message, even with all of the things that have been given to us? I would like to answer this by turning to the epistle this morning, to looking at what Paul tells the Corinthians. And I'm going to sit on just a few words at the very beginning of the epistle reading. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. If we are to avoid the, vin, the vineyard dressers, the vine dressers, the vinters, we must watch. We must be vigilant and diligent in our vigilance. How can we watch? How can we be vigilant? I'm reminded of the disciples as they're with our Lord in the garden as he goes and prays and sweats, sweats blood in his struggle, in his acceptance of the cup that is to be given to him of death on a cross. And what do the disciples do? They fall asleep. They fall asleep as their Lord keeps watch, as he keeps, keeps vigil. His closest companions fall asleep. One of the great tools, one of the great benefits and gifts of the church is prayer. And not just prayer that we just kind of, and there's nothing wrong with this, where we have our just kind of extemporaneous prayer. But prayer where we keep vigil with the church before our Lord, before the host of saints. That we keep vigil through keeping our prayer alive, by keeping our prayer steady, by keeping our prayer coming forth from our heart. Not rote uh, repetition, but real, serious prayer. To watch our hearts, not that we become uh, navel-gazing, self-scrupulous, uh, 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 self-obsessed with every little thing that happens, but that with our hearts, we know the paths that we should tread and the paths and the ways in which our heart starts to harden. Our heart starts to set its eyes on something else besides our Lord. Prayer should be coupled together, and it's very clear in the tradition, with fasting. 
that we attempt within all of our means to keep the fasts of the church. And if we need edits and adjustments, we seek those edits and adjustments out with the priest of the parish. For we can't do this alone. We need an obedience, a rule of prayer, a rule of fasting. And we also, attached to all of that, is a regular weeding of the vineyard. Confession. Confession is where we take those weeds and we make sure that we prune the vines, that the fruit that we produce is full and ready for the harvest. When we stand fast in the faith, this requires discernment. Standing fast in the faith, I'm going to use a positive example from the apostles now. As we've been going through the book of Acts, we have the disciples, the apostles, they fall asleep in the garden multiple times. They're tired. They cannot keep vigil. But when we see them after Pentecost ablaze with the Holy Spirit, we see them singing in jails, in prison. We see them going in front of hostile crowds and clearly preaching the truth of the gospel. We see the apostles standing fast in the faith to be stoned to death, to be rejected, to have and follow their Lord where they have no place to lay their head except for a stone. We have the apostles as those who stand fast in the faith and all of those who follow in their apostolic witness. Standing fast in the faith requires us, as I said, to be discerning. This requires us to actually study the faith, to know what we're standing fast for, to discern what is the truth of the faith. We know very clearly the tradition of the church is, as uh, the Old Testament talks about, ancient boundaries, where our fathers and mothers in the faith before us have set boundary stones. And scriptures is clear to not move those boundary stones. But how can you keep the ancient boundaries if you don't know them? It requires knowing where the stones are so that you don't move them. Otherwise, you're plowing in your field like, oh, there's a stone. That was an ancient boundary marker. For us to know and stand fast in the faith, especially because there will be some who will say, here's the boundary stone, and they point at a stone, and it's nowhere near the other stones. And you say, no, we need to follow this stone. And you say, well, okay, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. You might even have a few quotes from the fathers strung in there. And now we're following something that actually within the mind of the church, the life of the church, nothing blessed by the synod, nothing blessed by any synod, within the entire Orthodox world is now where the boundary stone is. And now we have to follow this. And when we do this, what do we do to the vineyard? We get a lot of overgrowth. Maybe the vineyards start to go out this way. Or now we've opened up and now anything can get inside the vineyard. Any kind of bugs, etc. We have to be discerning about the faith. Knowing what is the actual teachings of the apostolic faith. Referring to those and deferring to those who know the faith so that we can stand fast in it. Otherwise, we can stand fast in quicksand. We can stand fast in all sorts of places that have nothing to do with the apostolic faith. 
but it has to do with the rumors of wars, the rumors of all sorts of stuff, but it's not the faith. We need to be brave and we need to be strong. For in being vigilant and keeping and maintaining our hearts and standing fast in the faith where the ancient boundaries are, this will require from us bravery, courage, and require strength that we will need to fight, that we will need to be prepared. For faith, if we've discerned anything from the apostles and their life in the book of Acts and the Acts of the Apostles, to if we go through the saints that stand before us and stand around us, faith is glorious. Faith in our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. But it's also suffering. And we are to be brave in the face of suffering. What may be coming or will be coming is something that we need to be prepared for. That we've kept our hearts vigilant, that we have stood and fast in the faith that we have rightly discerned and understood and appropriated in our life. But we also need to be ready to be brave, to be strong, to guard the ramparts, to be prepared to suffer for the faith, even in the face of um, not being understood, in the face of loneliness, in the face of everybody else is doing it. And finally, all of these things, being vigilant, standing fast in the faith, being brave and being strong, have to be tempered by love. That all that we do is done with love. You know, in being vigilant and keeping your heart, you need to actually love yourself because there's a way in which you do not love yourself and be vigilant and you can just pummel yourself to death. If you stand fast in the faith and that means uh, that you're going to um, make sure that you're going to be as scrupulous as possible uh, become a kind of, how shall I say this, uh, inquisition without any blessing to be an inquisitor, uh, or that you interpret uh, conflict that is just conflict for conflict's sake as being brave and being strong, a kind of machoism, you will not be doing these things in love. Your vigilance will be for naught because you're vigilant not for your heart, but for your own ego. You will not stand fast in the faith because what you would really like is the accolades that you are standing fast for the faith. And you're not really being brave or strong. You might just be a bully. You might just be someone who's missed the point and your strength is actually from a passion of anger or of pride. Let all things that we do be done with love. Brothers and sisters, we are responsible for this vineyard. When the bishop uh, visits us and as he has uh, comes out during the Chisagyan and is blessing the faithful, he prays to God to come and visit this vineyard that he's planted with his right hand. God has given us a wine press. He's built up the boundaries of the tradition for us. He's given a tower, a rampart of protection through the intercessions of the saints, through the intercessions of all of the faithful. So let us receive the stone 
that was rejected by the builders. Let us receive the stone that the world rejects. Let us build our life upon that stone. Let us be vigilant in watching over our hearts. Let us stand fast in the true faith of the apostles, not in opinions. Let us be brave. Let us be strong. And of all things, let us do everything that we do with love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.